Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. We hope you'll come along for the conversation, and you can be part of that conversation by leaving comments at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 78. We also invite you to join our private Facebook group. To receive an invitation, send an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com and tell us your biggest need or problem when it comes to Christianity. We'll get an invitation right out to you. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monty. And I'm Tommy Polstra. Today we have special guest Tommy Polstra here to talk to us about episode number 68. It just so happens we live in the same house. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how marriage does that. It, it can, yes. And uh, so Tommy is a... Uh... <laughs> you were going to say she's a fan, right? <laughs> And then you're going to go, oh, no, no, no she's no, not I wasn't. a fan. And then you're, oh, no. I wasn't going down that road. No, I was I was trying to just, just trying to explain how often she listens to the podcast. Maybe I should let her do that. She occasionally listens to different episodes, and I often relate to her different topics that we're talking about. And in particular, this topic of how we experience God, how God works in our lives. It's, it's kind of brought up some... Uh, Interesting, maybe sometimes contentious discussion from time to time as I relay Greg's perspective. And so she recently listened to episode 68 and wanted to come on and talk to us about her thoughts, questions, objections, whatever the case may be. So I have no idea where we're going to go, but that's kind of the backdrop on today. So kick us off with where you want to go, Tommy, and what's on your mind. Well, it this me being here started... We were going to have me come on a long time ago, and then somehow episode 68 came up, and I said I wanted to listen to things on a more consistent basis. So it just so happened in my queue on my iPod Touch that 68 was the first one that came up. So I just started listening. And it also just so happened in that one that John spoke for me about God meeting my needs. And... <laughs> I was not terribly pleased (laughs) with how things were relayed at the beginning of that podcast. Yes, uh, a full full apology to all listeners for my inaccurate representation of Tommy's (laughs) viewpoint. Continue. Thank you, dear. And then Greg's response to why God was talking to me in the Psalms and the probability that, of course, that would be the case for a message of compassion and care giving me all the math. And so I proceeded to listen, and um, we just decided that since you guys were going to podcast in conjunction with me happening to be listening, that I could come on. So I have finished listening to the entire podcast, and here's sort of, if I could bring everything down, this podcast down to one thing, this is what I got out of the podcast I did not ultimately believe that the message was about whether or not God met our needs. I felt like what ultimately was being communicated or what had been the conclusion that had been drawn is that everyone needs to think more about God's kingdom than their needs. And therefore, they should be kingdom-focused rather than needs-focused. So 
I heard that the overall podcast was, you know, there is one real focus and it's for all human beings to be looking at God's kingdom. So if we could give our attention to only one thing, God wants all 4 billion people on this earth to focus on his kingdom. That's to me was sort of what what the podcast really ultimately was coming to. Would you say that that is an accurate representation of your philosophy, Greg? Oh, thank you. I, I mean, I thank you for taking the time and thinking about it that much, actually, to kind of distill it. I don't think that God's kingdom, in a sense, applies to people who aren't Christians. So if we say, if we kind of put them aside, and then some of the things John and I have talked about in other podcasts are that people are at different points in their relationship, sometimes it's a question of needing to focus on belief and just this basic idea of, is there a divinity? Does this make sense to you? Sometimes it's about, you know, trusting God. You believe that God's there. You believe in the kind of basic tenets or principles of Christianity, but how do you, how do you interact with this God? But I think the global picture that I see within Christianity is God's kingdom. But you may have highlighted the fact that the interplay between human need and God's kingdom needs more work. So in other words, I guess I would say that overall what you've said rings true, but I think I'm also getting the sense from the way you've described it that human need is not important, and I wouldn't say it that way. I would no, more you say, wouldn't. Yeah. No, and you wouldn't you would never say flat out needs don't matter. So why do that's you say that? why because that's not what I heard, that's not what I believe about you, that's not what I've okay. seen you live out when you've come to visit and just in the long times that we've known you. You okay. live a life where needs matter. And just given mm. the fact that you're a father, I think that it would be completely ludicrous mm. for you to say mm. needs don't matter and mm. then watch you meet your children's needs. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just that would be totally incongruous and not who you are. So that's why I would, mm. you would never say needs don't matter. Mm -hmm. But I don't really think that the podcast in a way was really talking about needs. Mm -hmm. It was, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was really about we need to focus. If there were to be a need, it would be to focus on God's kingdom. And so do you have a problem with that? Or do you, what, is there something that you think is missing or wrong with the discussion or like mm -hmm. where, where were you thinking we should go as we talk about this more? Well, talk about needs. If you're going to talk about needs, talk about needs. Talk mm -hmm. about how you would define a need. Talk about how you experience needs and stay with that topic. It f seemed to me like that wasn't happening. It was addressed. And yet I was just walking through this conversation, just sensing, okay, well, there seems to be a hierarchy here, for lack of a better word. I don't know, Greg, that you would use that term, because you were very mm -hmm. careful to use terms that allowed for things to be important, but you would use a word like, say, but it's not as significant. And so you would put a measure on it. There would, there would be, mm -hmm. a, I would call, I'll call it a value. You're, there is a value placed on different things. Um, one thing's more important than the other. It doesn't make the other thing unimportant, but it does make it clear 
that there is what I would call a hierarchy. So if, if we're going to talk about needs and does God meet our needs, well, then let's talk about that. And let's talk about God's kingdom as a separate podcast. So maybe that mm-hmm. episode wandered or got a little off track. Well, no, I think Greg was trying to address the issue of God meeting our needs. And I think, John, you were talking about it from your perspective and from sort of an evangelical background where, you know, God's basically there to meet our needs and yet finding that that wasn't necessarily your experience. And I, and so it was there for a while, but I think what was lacking was maybe we need to define needs. Because what what I didn't find compelling in what Greg was saying was Greg went to the text and did a search for, oh, it's back here in my notes, you know, clothing, food, such and such, and um, found that there was very little in in the Bible that addressed that. And yet when it was addressed, it was clear that God cared about those things, but the bottom line conclusion was, look, it's barely in the Bible, whereas the kingdom of God is in the Bible quite a bit. In fact, the kingdom of God sandwiches the issue of needs on both ends. And I, to my, you know, I don't know that this is a good argument, but in my mind, I'm like, yeah, well, the Bible doesn't talk about Jesus going to the bathroom or brushing his teeth, but, you know, these get done every day. So, (laughs) I mean... It, it wasn't compelling to me to say that needs are of some importance, but not as significant as the kingdom of God, given the examples of, well, it's barely in the text, and yet the kingdom of God's in there a lot. Now we have some potty humor on the podcast to like it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done your homework, Tommy. And fortunately, you know, I haven't, I haven't listened to that. I think that was back two months ago. I haven't listened to it and I've just read the notes now. So I, I mean, I guess a couple things come to mind if, if I can kind of go with those. I mean, yeah, the sense that I had, the sense that I had that what we were aiming at, I think what I heard John aiming at, and this sort of came out of some previous discussions or brief comments about some discussions that had taken place at Labrie in the autumn of 2014, just this past year, um, where people were talking about God meeting their needs. And again, I would be very, I would be thoroughly reluctant. I, I guess I would be unwilling. I would be unwilling to remove the discussion of needs from the discussion of kingdom because the discussion of kingdom, if you're talking about needs, then that's great, right? What are human needs? What do they look like? But when you start interfacing that by putting it at the kind of point of connection between human existence and God's existence, so you know, at the point of relationship between those two, then if we are to remove certain things about who God is from that, well, what makes it fair to keep in certain things about who human beings are? I want to keep it all there. And I don't think that that means that the whole thing gets cluttered or muddled or that, you know, whatever happens to occur more in a word search is what will ultimately, you know, become the most valid or uh, essential uh, perspective. But I don't think we can, so that my first point, I guess, would be, I don't think we can, we can separate these two. I think it would be a bit synthetic to do that now. And I don't, 
I don't know if I saved that search to look at it, but I think the search was pretty broad, needs and other things. And it, it was fascinating to see the proximity of some of these. Yeah, well, I'm in here. I guess I'm back in Matthew 6, you know, this, the clothing and et cetera. I'm not really sure. I guess, I guess let, me, let me bring this back to something that is maybe at the bottom of it that would be the foundation maybe of where I'm coming from. And I'll take that to, if we take need to the absurd end of the spectrum, I would see meeting our needs as uh, in its most absurd form as dealing with something that is ultimately evil, not simply problematic, maybe not even something that will take my life. Like, uh, I don't know, being out in the wilderness with a bear. I, I, a bear could kill me, but I don't particularly think it's evil. But something that, that, is not just in a time and place an unfortunate and maybe perilous situation for me, but something that is oriented against human existence, uh, whether that's other human beings, you know, whether that's war, genocide, or whether that's in biblical terms, the adversary, the one who is, you know, a, a essentially against us and against God. My sense and my experience um, without at this point, being willing to sort of divulge all of what that experience is, it's just too big to, to bring out at this point. Although, you know, if we can work with that, hopefully, and I can kind of bring that in part, um, I would say that my experience is that God does not so much meet my need with this or that. God does not answer the problem of evil with this or that, but God answers that with God's self in and through relationship. And so when I'm talking about the kingdom of God, and that being a focal point, that is the nexus of relationality between human beings and God as far as I can see it. That is where God calls us to. That is where God is, that we meet God there, once called. That is what we do and engage in. That is, if you like, the umbrella or the um, that sort of top level, if you want to think about that or refer back to that sort of hierarchy notion, that top level that encompasses and orients everything that is, if you will, Christian, that I have, that, that, that deals with my life or that has to do with my life. So, you know, is God going to, through my relationship with God, put food on my table? No, I don't think so. No, I don't but think what God are you is... calling God's kingdom? Because that also wasn't defined. I think it's very mm -hmm. clear in your mind what it is, mm -hmm. but it wasn't clear to me as a listener what that meant. Sure. Like specifically define how you understand God's kingdom. I think God's kingdom is this promotion and realization of the fact that God is king. That God, in that sense, as king, is saying, I, I own all this stuff. I own Tommy, I own John. Not own in some dogmatic, tyrannical sense. Although, you know, a lot of people have taken that, and the church has certainly put that across in many ways over the centuries. But I don't think that's what the text is putting across, and that's certainly not how I view it. So the notion of God's kingdom is that all things are God's, and God is in process, and has been in process over time, reclaiming all those things as God's own. And that process is quantum, if you like. It's not been a gradual, like if you plot it on a map, it's not like a straight line on a slope that just increases but it kind of goes up and then it plateaus for a long time and then it goes up and then plateaus. And the most significant and I would say monumental quantum event 
of that kingdom coming is Christ Jesus, in other words, being born, living the life he lived, explaining through what he said and how he acted that he was God and that God is king and this huge emphasis on God reclaiming and then through his death and his life, bearing out what it was to be a Jew, living a life that meant that he fulfilled the covenant, but also dying in a way that meant that he took on the, um, the penalties or if you like the curses that are related to that covenant. In other words, that he fulfilled what it was for the Jews to be in right relationship with God and opened the way for that promise made to Abraham to be, to allow me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Gentile, I've got no Jewish blood whatsoever that I know of, to allow me to be part of this much larger story Literally, the kingdom of God, from my perspective, is the fact that I can be in relationship with God, that I can be in right relationship with God, not simply as someone who is out there on the periphery, who's watching something happen, who's been given an invitation like a ticket to a concert and sits down. I'm performing. I'm out there doing things, collaborating, not in some you know, uh, negative sense of the word, but in, in every positive sense of that word acting in some senses for my own best interest, but even in doing so, acting towards the furtherance of God claiming this world as God's own, of God uh, being present in this world in a variety of different ways through reconciliation, uh, through forgiveness, uh, through people coming to understand themselves in light of some of the ways that the biblical text describes human beings and describes the relationship, and describes God and describes the relationship between the two. So I see it as being incredibly broad, but it is this reclaiming, which is both an opportunity for me to be in relationship and uh, a request, a, a, a compelling request for me to engage and participate in the drama of this unfolding of this kingdom. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It, you did a, you did a, you're, you did a nice job explaining it. And I think what I'm sort of noticing inside myself as I'm listening is you're very careful about word choice, which I think is important. And at the same time, what I feel is missing hmm. for me, and it might not be missing for any other listener, is this highly intellectualized explanation of God. Hmm. And for me, the downside of that is... I already have an incredibly active brain that doesn't always help me. And so it's good to have that brain focus on things that are helpful, like thinking about what is God's kingdom, you know, and yet in an hour and a half, my son's going to get off the bus. And what does it mean for me to love him? Mm -hmm. So as we talk about things like God's kingdom or does God meet our needs, I'm, you know, wanting to understand and know God and my relationship with him in what I would call a real context, which is my life. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think I, I don't know how to engage on some level with these conversations because they don't seem to encompass my real life experiences. They talk about ideas, which, mm -hmm. you know, I say this from the perspective that, you know, I've been on, this is my second time being on here. So most people wouldn't know, but I've spent a lot of time 
at Labrie in Switzerland. I worked at the Labrie in Southborough, and Labrie saved my life. I mean, God met me there in a profound way that was exactly what I, quote unquote, needed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure. And what I ultimately needed and still need in my life is to know him as he is Mm -hmm. and to know myself in relation to him. That's ultimately what I would call my fundamental need. And I don't think you would disagree with that as a fundamental need. I mean, but the I don't know. I don't want to blather on here because maybe I haven't. I can just stop here. No, I think what I hear you saying is make the kingdom of, quote, the kingdom of God sounds like a big kind of lofty topic. So bring it down to earth to, to put it in practical terms. Yeah. I think that's what I hear too. Yeah. Okay, now do yeah. it. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> now so, do it. <laughs> so, no, so I think my hunch, Greg, is that as you're living your life, you're you're sitting with things in the world of ideas and you're also living. So when you're face to face with let's say I'm sorry, I don't have a good example, but let's just say you and your wife are, you know, walking towards what could be a contentious discussion. In that moment, as you're living in it and you're uh, far enough away from it still that the buttons aren't getting pushed for automatic negative responses, you could be thinking, what does God want for Susan and I here in this space? And you might or you could even be saying, Holy Spirit, give me guidance. I don't know how to handle this. I just know I want to handle it differently than I've always handled it before. I mean, that to me is a practical way of thinking about God's kingdom in the sense that God is the king. Mm-hmm. This is God's world. He loves us very uniquely and specifically as we are. And then we are compelled by that love to love those who are in our life. Mm-hmm. And so my hunch is you're living that way, but I don't know that it's being talked about on that level. And to some degree, we, we're not going to walk through every, you're not going to walk through every podcast talking through details that are insignificant to everybody else. Cause who cares about a fight you had with your wife? I mean, so I'm trying, I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to be. I think it ties in though. I think it ties in very well with the discussions we've been having in later episodes Around the, the eagle, we we need an eagle picture or something. I think on on the the <laughs> website now because this eagle has has taken on a lot of meeting. But the yeah, there's been a lot of discussion also in the Facebook group about what is an experience of God and what is not. Is there? Do you see a tie in here, or am I trying yeah, to bring too many I, things together? I think so. And, and the other thing I might I might mention, but I, I'm not. I don't want to sidetrack this because I I want you to talk more, Tommy. This is really good. But I would say that there's the part of what's going on here, and I don't mean going on in this episode or in this recent sort of chunk of episodes, but through the entirety of what John and I have been trying to do is, you know, the metaphor I've been using is to liken what we're doing as approaching a table. The table is the space that's open for, for, for presenting and discussing Christianity, and the table as we've approached it is full. And, and I think what I've been trying to do is clear away some space on that table pushing back against some of those concepts and some of those ways of seeing God, seeing Christianity, reading the text, so that there is some space at a a bit of a, if you will, a fundamental level or a theoretical level out of which to then build up. 
and go in the direction that go in more practical directions. So I just sort of make that comment. But yeah, I do see the tie-ins you're talking about, John. So how do we make this? How do we? How do you <laughs> explain this in more practical terms that is more accessible to Tommy and even to me? And and I will say that if the, my contention all along in doing this podcast is if I have a question, there's got to be at least five other people in the world that have it. So yeah. if Tommy is is if Tommy is picking up a deficit in our discussions. I'm mm-hmm. totally willing to say there's probably one there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, my first comment, and it should be thank you, and it is. Thank you, Tommy, for, for highlighting these things and, and for sharing your perspective. There was one part of ish episode 68, uh, which was very significant on a practical level for me, and that, that was the <laughs> – I described it to John as, as – uh, be, like being at the side of the road and, and, and my tire's flat and uh, somebody comes by and instead of offering to lend me their cell phone or um, pump up my tire or whatever, call AAA, um, they give me a hot dog. And um, I had an event, um, I mean, as you know, Tommy, and I know John is aware, my spouse and I were separated for 20 months so I, I I don't want to bring out like on one on the one hand the, the biggest example I could bring out this isn't actually the biggest but um, a very big one but I guess part of what is important for me if we're going to talk practical is hey you know okay my kid comes home at three thirty and 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 I'm not feeling the best and this uh, this is Greg talking actually because my daughter does come home at three thirty and I am at home I work from home you know and I've you know we I, we're supposed to do something and. How am I going to, you know, kind of work through this? I, I totally think that's legitimate. Uh, I think one of the things in terms of uh, practical application that's very important for me, though, perhaps even more important than the day-to-day, is knowing that it, in, in extreme situations and in extremely tough situations, that this whole Christianity thing works out, that it actually makes sense. And there's a way that God is in, if you will, is present or is... Uh, yeah, there's a significance to my needs while still maybe there's something bigger going on. So that makes sense. That sentence, there is a, there is a significance to my needs while there is still something else going on. To me, there's no hierarchy in that statement. And so I would say, yeah, I, I feel like that was very simply put and it said it was clear Okay. And where, yeah. And, and so, you know, in terms of a practical uh, application or how to bring this down to a practical, you know, on one level, that might not be your strength. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could simply be just to answer John's question, taking it literally like he was looking for an answer. How do you guys make this more practical? It might be you just need to bring different people on to dialogue with. Because, you know, if, if we all have certain strengths and weaknesses, more often than not, I find that my strength, the other side of my strength is a weakness. So, mm-hmm. you know, your ability to study and understand concepts and really enjoy looking into those concepts is an absolute strength. And at the same side, you aren't necessarily able to just switch into this, you know, practical space that somebody else might be looking for. Yeah, but I th- I think I'd I'd cut back against that a bit, Tommy, because 
my sense is it's a bit of a trap and I'm not going to walk into that trap. So I hear what you're saying and you're saying, Greg, this is too theoretical. Practically speaking, what gives? How's it work? What are you, what are you, what are you thinking? Because I can't translate what you're saying here. And I would say, you know, on a very sincere level, I feel like I am throughout this podcast and throughout what I'm doing here, the theoretical work has not been done. It's, it's not out there. Like somebody like N.T. Wright in terms of the exegetical work, in terms of a lot of what we're looking at recently and some of the current focus, absolutely. And he's fantastic. Um, but in terms of broadening the discussion about what counts as significant in terms of understanding God, understanding human beings, and understanding the relationship between the two, there is a big deficit there. There is a lot of work that hasn't been done. And so I am particularly careful not to walk out further. It's like having a dock or a pier. I'm not going to walk out further on that wood than I've got you know, those uh, supports underneath to allow me to walk out. And I think a, a lot of times, a lot of people do that and they'll make claims about, you know, God does this for me. God does that for me. God works like this. God works like that. And I want to avoid that wherever possible. So I've got a ton, like, I guess what I'm pushing back against really is every single bit of this theoretical stuff comes from practical stuff. It's not me wandering through the text and finding it. It's me living my life and having incredible things happen and having new understandings that have resulted from these new things where I've said, hey, the world is bigger. Or, the world, you know, it's been the experience almost, I would say, that of me kind of realizing the world is much larger than I thought. There's much more love here. There's much more possibility. And it's much more focused. So I guess the, the honest thing is to say I've held back. I've held back a lot in a lot of these conversations because I still think that we're formulating some of I'm formulating, Greg personally, formulating some of these concepts that I think will allow for me better to dialogue with Christians on the one hand who will be very, very careful to hear anything that's not biblically based with non-Christians who will be very, very careful to hear anything that doesn't have a sense of credibility and resonate with some of their understandings about what the natural world is like. And then I've sacrificed, I guess, and not met, if you will, the needs <laughs> of those who would ask the more practical questions and say, well, okay, you know, how does this work? And I guess legitimately, Tommy, we, we haven't had anybody pushing us in this direction. I mean, we have a few listeners. Um, we've certainly kind of engaged with Evan and Anna on a couple of topics, and um, that's been really valuable, but I don't think in terms of the nitty gritty, I don't think, you I mean, help me out, John. I don't think anybody's pushed us in this direction as the, like, as, like Tommy is. No. And I would say, bring it. So, I mean, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, <laughs> absolutely. But in fact, so I, when I have, in fact, when I think I'll say this for anyone out there. The first reaction that Greg usually has when I find any criticism that I have been able to find about the podcast. And I think we had, a, we had a, some comments a few times back and then uh, another situation that we haven't really talked about yet. But Greg's first response is awesome. Great. Not in a way of like, oh, we offended someone. That's not our goal. But in the sense that, oh, people are engaging with us and they mm. want to 
that there's something to engage with and that well, I'm kind of losing my thought here, but yeah. Yeah. S- sorry. I want to cut in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go for it. Jump in. I think what I'm thinking is happening in these dialogues that could be a, a conclusion I'm jumping to is the assumption that we need to understand all these foundational things before we can really walk with God or see how he is or is not meeting our needs. Um, And I resist that. So Greg, when you said a little bit earlier that I actually didn't totally understand what you were explaining, but it, it sounded a little bit like, in terms of having practical conversations from your perspective, the practical cannot exist without foundational conversations about, um, I don't know what you didn't say this, but let's just say definitions of words, definitions of God, um, that one needs to make sure we're all in the same playing field in terms of words and definitions and understandings before we can have a practical conversation. Is that what you were suggesting? There's some of that there, but no, I think that's a, it's a little bit more specific and personal to me. In other words, I believe that my role, my vocation, if you will, and this is something that's been pretty recently f- formulated that I've been recently working on and come to some some better formulations. John, John knows something about this. I mean, this is great. We're pulling a whole lot of stuff in here. But I would say that for me, on the one hand, part of what I'm working towards doing is highlighting the need for a much deeper and fuller integration between all the aspects of what it is to be a human being and what humanness and human existence are about, including, you know, um, the, the full scope and merit of our faculties when we engage with God. So not just our intellect, but our emotions and our sense perception, our memory, our imagination, past experience, all these things. But I think that's for me personally, but I think in a general sense, to respond to your question as as generally as possible, do we need these things? I would say that Christianity has suffered and is continuing to suffer more from a, if you will, um, a disconnect a disconnect in many ways with what it means to be a real human being. I'm, and I believe that the remedy for that, not just my remedy, but the remedy for that, is being much more connected in these regards. So it's sort of coming back to this vocational piece that I mentioned about what I think my role is. But it's also something that I think needs to be done. Can you repeat your question for me, Tommy? Because there are two parts to that. You asked me, are you saying that we can't be practical without defin- defining things? I mean, a, can, you can't discuss practical experiences with God without first defining things. I think we have to know what we're talking about in a certain sense, or we risk going down roads that isolate us from each other. They certainly isolate us from people that aren't Christians, and they ultimately can isolate us from God. You know, it, it's a, I take it as a challenge. and By that, I mean, I'm kind of verging towards one side of the playing field. I take it as a challenge when somebody like you've made your comment here. I get that. Uh, A stronger way of putting your comment might be 
Henry Nowen's time at the L'Arche community in Toronto. Henry Nowen, you know, big time uh, theologian at Harvard, a uh, very big intellect. And he, he ultimately left academia, went to live in a community of people who are developmentally handicapped. And he used to talk about those people in some of his books, the people who are developmentally handicapped, as being able to access things more with the heart than with the head. Is there a problem for them being Christian? Is there a problem for them living a Christian life? Because maybe some of them will never be able to formulate these things. I would say on the one hand, no, there's not. On the other hand, would there be a problem for me living my life in the way that they are living their lives? Yes. So I think there's a degree of responsibility based on you know the type of resources uh, that you have available to you. And I think that there are there are certain relationships between, you know, um, practice and theory that just they're fundamental ways of existing. So practice informs theory, theory informs practice. If if you start with practice and you come to theory, I start with theory and come to practice. I think that's all cool. What I don't think is cool is somebody sits in practice and says, "I don't need any theory," and vice versa. That's what I would be hedging against. But I also think that what's happened is that Christianity, as I mentioned before, has become isolated. And if you like, it's lost a ton of credibility. Churches are dwindling. There's, you know, or they're becoming radicalized. And um, I don't think either one of these things are the way that it should be. And I think that if we are going to, if churches are going to be as they should be, then we're going to find that they're going to be really inviting and invigorating and vibrant places. But that's going to be to do a lot with not just going out there and quote, you know, I'm going to love them to death or I'm going to, I don't know, I've heard a couple formulations of, of that sort of way of thinking. And I, I have no idea what that means, really. I, I, I really don't. Because there's, you know, everything in this biblical text is related to a story. And when I take it out of that context, it falls flat, I think. And that's my fear. What's your fear? That when we take it, that when we, when we approach it just from the practical, in other words, if we don't have a vibrant link with the theoretical, we will fall flat. I think that's what's happening. When I look at the churches in my community, I'm like, no wonder people don't want to be there. Come on, what do you, what do you, like, you're, you're, you're presenting this story. It's like some of the stories that John brought, I don't know, I guess these are more recent episodes, but we've talked about some of the flyers that John picked up at some of the uh, Christmas services that he attended. And as we went through them, they're truncating the story. The story doesn't really make sense. And so when we put people in those, those uh, we give them that story, and yet we try to love them, or we try to you know, practically express the gospel to them. Well, practically speaking, if you're expressing something that's truncated or that's really self-focused, I think what I'm seeing in my community, at least, and what I'm guessing is probably the results in, in other communities, at least in North America, are the results of, of that type of thinking that's then tried to be applied in some sort of practical way. I don't think it works. So how are we doing, Tommy, with your original question and what you were hoping to discuss today? And if we didn't quite get at it, where do you think... Greg and I Will you come go? back? Yeah, where, <laughs> Will you come back? Where, we want, we yeah. want you more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, okay, well, no, I, was, I didn't want to pin you down, but if you were to come back, where do you think we should go next? Or, or 
are you satisfied at all with with what we've covered and if not where what needs to happen next to to get to more clarity or to where you think the conversation's uh, lacking um thanks for asking i i think from where i'm sitting i'm in a space where practicality matters and definitions are important but they aren't more important. Definitions are not more important than walking through an important question to me, a question that I have. So, you know, this question of does God meet our needs? Well, we haven't really discussed it Mm -hmm. in detail, and that's on one level fine with me, because I kind of already know the answer for myself. And the answer is yes, he does meet our needs. But I probably have different needs than John. And I might not agree with how he defines his needs. And he might not agree with mine. And so in that regard, I would say that how we define things is paramount, you know, so that we can understand when we're what we're talking about. And are we talking about the same thing? So in some ways, I'd love to come back to this conversation if other people are interested in hearing more, because I'd like to define need or, you know, what we believe need is. So we haven't discussed that. We haven't addressed that. But I guess at the same time, I find this conversation somewhat frustrating because for me, if we walked into a grocery store and, you know, said to the first person that we met, where are the carrots? We'd all know what we were talking about. You know, they might, <laughs> there might be four varieties of carrots. They might not know if I want baby carrots or, you know, fresh carrots with the green top still on or organic or whatever, but we all know what carrots are. So what I feel is lacking in this pod, these podcasts for me is this micro defining of carrots for lack of a better example, because I don't need that. I don't need to know God on that level. Now, I heard you say a minute ago that we we definitely need to know the theology, theological basics because that's why, you know, churches are breaking down. And I guess I disagree. <laughs> you know, I say, I'd say churches, you know, as buildings— are breaking down probably for a number of reasons of which I have a few ideas as to why they're breaking down and you have your ideas. But to say that either one of us has the reason for understanding why the churches are breaking down to me is, is well, is I hate to use this word, but I think it's arrogant and inaccurate. I think you would like our uh, commenter... <laughs> <laughs> he, he levied the same criticism <laughs> one that Greg was arrogant and two that we're too nitpicky on our yeah. definition so well, I think it's and, interesting and, I think it's an interesting that but what I'm noticing for myself as I'm just sort of kind of watching myself in this you know if this reminds me this conversation and my internal response and resistance to it is reminding me of when I first showed up at Swiss Labrie when I was 22 years old and I would ask a question like, what does it mean to love? And somebody would say, well, I mean, we have to define love. And I'd just like roll my eyes and want to scream at the table and say, give me a break. You know, it's like, cook. I mean, we have to define everything. And it felt really extreme to me. Mm-hmm. And 
I was transformed in that community. I was transformed and those conversations were really important to me and mattered and changed my life in ways that I am deeply grateful. So what I'm sort of noticing for myself is there is probably a group of people out there that really enjoy the way you two are talking about topics. For myself, it's not really working for me. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate the thought and I feel like it's too much in one direction for me to really feel like I could continually engage and move forward. Thank you. Thanks for being open, you know. And um, my guess is it's going to take a while for us to be able to get to the place where you're looking to have the conversation. So there's a conversational space that you're looking for us to enter with you, and we're not there yet. I think jumping there would be doing us a, a vast disservice. I think it would put us in a place where we would end up, I think we'd lose the ability to do some of the things we've done, namely to be able to engage with, say, a book like Not a Fan or a book like The Misunderstood God and maintain what we need in order to, to assess it critically. And I think your questions are, are, are really important, Tommy. But I do think, you know, I will, I will stick with that, that view that the church has lost credibility there's, there's nobody that I know that thinks that that's not a, a Christian that thinks that the Christian church is an interesting, valid, vibrant, or in any way worthwhile place or that Christianity is some sort of uh, concept or religious belief worth investigating. But when was it ever? Oh, I think it was. When? Oh, I think for, for well, you know, there are lots of other factors that are playing in, right? I mean, are you, are you mandated to believe this in a certain sense? Are you to, is your only way of seeing the world in some sort of uh, pre-modern way of seeing the world? And sure, there are a lot of factors that would contribute to the church no longer, the, the message no longer being, being presented. But that's exactly my point, or, or presentable, if you will, right? The, the, the message is no longer palatable or sensible because we've refused to allow ourselves to engage on these levels. Things like neurology, geology, etc. have nothing to do. I mean, they're interesting, sure, but really well, how we figure out God is through um, theology and exegesis. Uh, I don't agree. Not unless we've, the biblical text contains everything that we need to know. But, but this again, you see, fighting some of these arguments, they cannot be done on a practical level. Practically speaking, there is no way to say that the, the Southern Baptist perspective is any better or any worse, say, than uh, a reform perspective, than, say, anti-rights perspective. There's no way, or a biologos perspective. There's no way to do that. You're just getting this continual sort of infighting, and then you've got different people, and it's all the same thing. What I'm trying to do, I guess, if you, if you will, and, and, and here's where, you know, I'll bring it out, and I'll say, maybe this is arrogant, right? This is me talking of myself saying this is arrogant. I do think we can adjudicate between these different perspectives, I do think we can find better and worse, but we're not going to find them by sticking with the terms of the discussion as it exists today. Because you've got people looking at N.T. Wright's work, and as far as I know, it's some of the best exegesis out there. There's nothing exegetically that's cut back against the majority of his work on Paul. And yet, you have any number of groups who, for theological reasons, will say, 
no, you know, I, I'm simply, I can't, I can't agree with that. It's cutting back against Calvin or Luther or um, Augustine. And yet, for us to be able to go forward as a community, you know, as people who believe and present something that is actually valid and incredibly important for everyone's life, for human beings, I, I don't think there's any way that we can avoid broadening the discussion. And right now, that's the zone that I'm in. So in terms of the practical stuff, I'm willing to talk about that. But I think it's important, mostly in terms of regaining credibility. I don't see a church that's growing. And maybe where you live, it is. So we probably need to wrap here. But it sounds like you're saying that the path to relevancy is through a stronger foundation of the theoretical, not necessarily leading with the practical. Well, I think we can go with the practical, but I think in order to get a hearing, you're going to have to have both. Like I can tell you that God changed my life, that God showed up in my life, and I literally can, can point to certain things and say, this is God and this is how God acts. But I, the people that I gain, the people that I keep listening to me are far less valuable. I mean, I, I, I'm just being dead honest. They're far less valuable to me than the people that I'm marginalizing. Because the people that'll, that'll keep on listening are already, if you will, they're 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 with the program but the people that i'm interested in gaining are the people who are at the periphery the people who are outside the people for whom this is just not viable and it's got to be both i want both i don't want to marginalize one or the other i want both well here's one person on the periphery saying something needs to change then come back. Talk to us more. <laughs> we want, we want, you know what, Tommy, you would be excellent. This is, I love this idea. Why don't, Lee, just bring an example. Bring a practical example. Say, hey, you know. turn into the McLaughlin group. <laughs> this happened Wrong! the other week. <laughs> this happened the other week and it was a real, I don't know, like I'm just, what do you, what's your take on this? Or, you know, tell me, Greg, why don't you give me one that was a real tricky one for you? And I'll give you my take on it. And let's just bounce some of this practical stuff around because I don't want to, I think you're completely, I agree with you. Your your points are valid. And it would be amazing if you could draw us in that way. I would would feel just tremendously thankful, actually, if you could do that or at some point. Okay. I've I've heard, let me think about it. Let me see what I can come up with. All right. That would be cool. I would love that. Whenever you have time and whenever, however you want to do it, or I'm completely open. John, what do you think? I guess so. No. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for marital strife. I think we'll call this a wrap. What do you think? Yes, that was good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions on this episode, so leave a comment at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 78. We also invite you to join our private Facebook group. To receive an invitation, send an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com and tell us your biggest need or problem when it comes to Christianity. We'll get an invitation right out to you. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.